Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2016. This is Rachel talking about Steps 8 and 9. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm alcoholic. Um, when I was asked to share on 8 and 9, I had to think about it about what I could um, say about it, and I thought that it might be a good idea to fill in 20 minutes with 5 minutes talking about it, and then 15 minutes of you quietly reflecting on your own behaviour. <laughs> but um, I was told that probably wasn't a good idea. Um, <laughs> so I tried for 3 minutes and 17. Um, but for me, steps eight and nine were confronting, but incredibly freeing. Um, I came into AA completely broken and tired. Um, I was tired of living a life against my morals and against my better judgment. Um, you know, we talk constantly in the rooms of this guilt, shame, and remorse that we feel. Um, and and um, I did. Um, I remember coming into AA and thinking before I walked through the door that maybe, just maybe one day I'd be able to walk down the street with my head held high and be able to have conversations with people where I could look them in the eyes um, and not have to wonder what I'd done or what I'd said um, and how many people I'd upset. And um, When I walked into the rooms and I saw the hope and then at the end of my first meeting, they read out the ninth step promises. Um, and I sat there crying. I cried for a few months when I came in. <laughs> um, but I was crying and listening and going, yep, maybe. Maybe one day that can happen for me. Um, and so when I started doing the steps, this was actually a step that I was looking forward to. Um, to being able to say sorry for the stuff that I'd done that I knew wasn't right. Um, so when I say it's confronting, writing down and looking at yourself, well, looking at yourself, it's in your head, you know, it's in your heart, you know what you've done wrong. But writing it down and sharing it with another person is quite confronting. But then that freedom that you get from being able to apologise and not just apologise but try and make it right is um, amazing. So when I'd done my step four, um, I held on to that list, and as I was making the list, so I, I um, put little marks next to the people that I'd harmed. Um, so I got to step eight, and I did my um, pre-step eight prayer, um, which helped me remember why I was doing it and give, gave me the strength to do it. So God, please repair my, remove my fears and show me your truth. Show me all the harms I have caused with my behaviour. So for me, it was, I, that was a reminder that it was my behaviour, it wasn't me. Because in my soul I was different to the actions that I had done and the things that I'd caused or the harms I'd caused in people. It helped me be willing to make amends to one and all and help me go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. And that was the thing I was desperate about. So that was my reminder of why I needed to do what I needed to do. And I had to bite the bullet and go and do it. So when I was doing my list of harms, um, I was at a steps weekend before I got to this point, 
and I'd heard someone share about what they did when they were making their lists of people that they harmed, and I held on to that because I thought it was a really good idea. And so I did it when I made my list, and at the top of the page, I wrote, God loves you, before I started looking into everything bad that I'd done. And then I listed my people from step four that I'd harmed. Then I went through my phone to see if I'd missed anyone. (laughs) Then I went through everyone on Facebook. And then my blocked list. (laughs) And then I went and I charged up my old phone. And I went through that because I was scared that I'd missed someone. And there were some people I couldn't remember names of, so I put, oh, that guy. Um... And I just prayed to remember names of people. Um, and then when I did my list, I wrote down who, so the name, what I'd done, what harm that caused them or what that might have made them feel like, and then why I was sorry for it. And then the type of amends, so was it financial um, or was I going to be able to make direct amends to them? Because, you know, a um, few of my amends live overseas, so it's kind of hard to do it face-to-face sometimes um, when, when that happens. There's the telephone, there's Skype, there's lots of other ways of doing it. Um, indirect amends, amends um, and then the living amends, um, which is a big one for me. Um, and then was I willing? And I was willing because I'd been living for, with a lot of this for so long that I was ready to get it out and cleanse myself from it rather than walking around with this guilt all the time. Um, and then I discussed it with my sponsor. And so we went through my lists and talked about whether or not they were amends that needed to be made, um, how I would go about them, um, what I might say and whether that was a good idea or not and then she suggested um, other things that I might like to try um, which is why we do this with a sponsor Um, because if I went off by myself um, yeah who knows what I would have said but I also did the prayers before doing it Um, and then when I went into making my amends Um, I was nervous and then I remembered that she told me you don't go into making amends with any expectations um, because my head instantly tells me they're going to hang up on you or they're going to tell you where to go um, or maybe they'll forgive you and give you a lot of money or (laughs) no there is So there are all these scenarios that you can create in your head. Um, And so I just tried to um, pray beforehand and and go into it without any expectations. Um, She also um, reminded me that when I was making the amends, it's about me. It's about them because you want to free them from that harm that you've caused them. But you're not looking for any outcome from them. You're not going into it expecting them to forgive you and and kiss your feet and think that everything will be okay. Um, So I went into doing my amends without any expectation or without blaming anyone. That was a big thing because some of my amends, 
had caused me harms too. But it wasn't about expecting them to apologise to me. This was just me freeing myself and cleansing myself. And then finding out how I could make it better. So I remember my first amends that I made, and I won't go into too much detail about what I'd done, (laughs) but my very first amends was um, one of my most recent harms at the time, and that was to my ex-boyfriend's girlfriend. So when I'd come into the rooms, um, I had, well, clearly, it's Alcoholics Anonymous, I'd I'd been drinking a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And... um, and I'd found out that my boyfriend had a girlfriend. And so in a drunken stupor, I thought it was a good idea to tell her about our relationship. So she was one of the first people that I wanted to apologise to for the harm that I'd caused her. She was overseas. Um, and so I prayed before making to amends to her. And, and um, I did it via telephone. And I was nervous making my first amends and I wondered about how she would take being contacted by me Um, but it actually went better than I thought it would Um, and what I apologised for was the the harm and the jealousy and the hurt that I'd caused Um, but how the amends ended was with her sending me a text message with emoticons of of smiley faces and hugs and kisses Um, which was bizarre. I was like, what does this mean? Are we friends now? <laughs> um, and her thanking me. Now, how could she thank me? I don't know. But it was, it was really good. Um, and then the next one I did was to my ex. And luckily I'd spoken to my sponsor beforehand and she reminded me why I was doing the amends. Um, because it went, also went really well. So I apologised for all the drama and the hurt and the harm. What could, it, what could I do to make it better? And we ended up having a really long conversation um, and, and he was really kind about it and he said some really nice things about me and he said, I know that you were drunk and I know that that isn't you and you have a great heart and all this stuff. So when I hung up the phone, I thought, well, that went really well. He's all right. Maybe we could get back together. <laughs> And then my sponsor's voice in my head saying, you are not making these amends so you can get back together. Remember what happened and why you split up. And then I thought, oh, that's right. My first amends was his girlfriend. I don't want to have to do this again. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. I, um, I had another amends that I wanted to make to my ex-best friend. Um, Now, she'd blocked me on Facebook um, and it wasn't in the phone book um, and when I tried to call her, it was blocked as well. So um, I tried quite a number of times um, and she's moved, so I don't know where she is. Um, But with her, I emailed her to say that I wanted to try and make things right. Um, I, I didn't get a response. I don't even know if she ever got it. But I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Um, and 
maybe one day we'll bump into each other. I um, actually, She loves quilting, and there was a quilting show on the other day, and I thought, oh, shall I go and just sit there and wait? Just, But, you know, you don't want to stalk people to make amends, so um, <laughs> it's probably not a good idea. <clears throat> and then with my mother, um, she came over here for my first um, AA anniversary, and so I got to make amends to her directly in person. Um, and for me, this was a big one because she was, the, other than myself, the person that I'd harmed the most. Um, and I knew that she'd heard the most sorries. Um, and this is the, the difference between an apology and amends. So just saying sorry, how many times have we done that? Um, I've said sorry and meant it, and I've said sorry and didn't mean it, and then I just feel like a fool saying sorry again. So making amends is trying to make it right. So when I, I prayed before I made amends to her, and I listed all the things I was sorry for, and I was sorry for all the nights that I'd made her worry about me when I was out wandering the streets drunk, um, the fear that I'd put on her, all the times that I'd let her down when I'd said that I'd do something and then I was just hungover or I was still drunk and I didn't do it. So I went through a list of all these things that I'd done and said to her, is there anything else that I've missed? And she stopped and she looked at me. She said, no, I think that's probably about it, unless you think there's anything else I think you think I should know. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> You're better off not knowing. <laughs> Um, and then I said to her that I knew that my sorries didn't mean anything and I thought that at one year of sobriety I'd earned a bit of trust from her I'd sort of proved a wee bit that I was really trying to do what I could to not ever do that behaviour again and not ever worry her again um, you know, I never wanted to look in her eyes again and see that fear that I'd caused. Um, and um, so I explained that every day that I stay sober, I dedicate to her and to myself, because I was one of my biggest harms. So, um, And that I would try my best to not do it again. Um, and then something happened that, I mean, I didn't expect much to happen. Um, I wasn't sure about what her reaction would be, but her reaction was to apologise to me. And I started to say to her, you don't need to, but she did for her, because this was then about her. And she apologised to me for the things that she's been carrying in her heart and in her head for her life and the things that she's been guilt-ridden of with. Um, and it was this great moment for us both where we could cleanse and free ourselves from the stuff that we'd been carrying. And some of the stuff that she was carrying around that she's been miserable about and drinking on herself for all these years. I went, really? Because for me, I, I didn't even remember it. 
and yet it was such a big thing for her. So it was this great moment. And then we made a cuppa. <laughs> Nothing heals like coffee, but... Um, <clears throat> And then I, I remembered something else, and I said, oh, oh, by the way, I might have stolen some marijuana out of your stash that you had in your drawer. <laughs> she said, that's all right, I found yours later, and <laughs> I think we're even. So <laughs> um, And there was a song um, that was released um, by Taylor Swift. I'm not... He, he, don't go out and buy all Taylor's CDs and things, but there was a song on the radio at the time that I found incredibly fitting, and it was called Bad Blood. Um, and some of the lyrics of the song are that Band-Aids don't fix bullet holes. You say sorry just for show. And that was so fitting for me, because it's not just about sorry. And the Band-Aid isn't going to heal it. Um, and that song kept playing on the radio, and I'd nudge Mum and go, hey, listen, it's on again. <laughs> I know, I'll keep doing it. Um, and a few days ago, when um, I was telling my mum that I was going to be sharing on this, I asked her for some feedback on how she felt about when I made her the, the amends. Um, I made the amends to her. And she said that it was okay and she wanted to believe it, but it was still hard to believe that it wouldn't happen again. And this is two years on, and she said, I still worry about you. I mean, that's her job. She's my mum. But she doesn't have to worry about me anywhere near as much as she did when I was out there wandering the streets at night drunk. Um, So another part of my living amends is every morning (laughs) I email her so she knows I'm okay. Um... I think the big thing for me was to realise that we, we're all human and we all make mistakes. But the thing is that we've got AA and a programme in our life and it allows us to make up for those mistakes we've made and to fix them and to not have to go through this again and again and again if we choose to. Um, yeah. I'd put an arrow to the next page and there was nothing there. But um, <laughs> playing a little joke on myself. <laughs> I'll make up for that later. Um, and I thought I'd finish on the ninth step promises because I never get tired of hearing this. Um, because after all, when I came in, I'd sit there thinking, when, when, when? And now I sit there and I close my eyes when I hear them and I tick them off and I smile. So if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realise that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. 
They will always materialise if we work for them. Thank you. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting us share.